and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Do you do in your life in order to score points with God, to earn your grace, or do you do because of the grace you've received? It's a subtle but important difference. Teaching team member Monty Starks brings us this message entitled, GE, We Bring Good Things to Life, which covers 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Links to the videos are in the points to remember. Thank you for joining us today. GE, we bring good things to life. This morning, we're going to talk about a different GE that brings great things to life. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And before I read this, let me set up the context. A series not too long ago was coming out of 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. So you know a lot about what's going on in the church in Corinth. And Paul's specifically writing to some Greek thought that's entered the church. And this Greek thought was a Gnostic thought. And Gnosticism believed that you become saved just kind of through knowledge But they also believed that anything that wasn't spiritual was evil. So in other words, the physical body, like flesh and blood, was evil. So they were excited that if their souls left their body, that would be a good thing. So you can understand that they were struggling with understanding the resurrection of Jesus, having a physical body. And also their own personal physical body when they would go to heaven. So Paul addresses this issue in the church specifically focusing on Christ's physical resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is God's inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word. Verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according with the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, As to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed." Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, would you remove me from this place? That your glory, that your spirit would teach us. Your spirit would change us. That we would see your grace. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll find an outline in uh, your worship bulletins. And the first point is this. The gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. Paul begins by saying, I make known 
The Greek means remind you. Paul is reminding the Corinthians of the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. Paul mentions the word gospel in verse one and in verse two. He knows how quickly the church and us quickly forget the simplicity of the gospel. He's taking us back to the basics. So what is the gospel? What is it? It's what Christ has done and is doing for us. He actually tells us the simplicity of this gospel by giving us a creed. Many of us know famous creeds like the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed. A creed is a system of doctrine or kind of a list, a summary of beliefs. And he does that in the middle of verse 3 through verse 5. So in two and a half verses, he tells us the foundation of the gospel. Look at the middle there of verse 3. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And the second part is in verse four, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The word raised is a unique word in the Greek tense there. It actually means that Jesus was raised at one time, but he's still raised today. He's still alive in a resurrected body. Notice that the first two statements finish with in accordance with the scriptures. The New Testament hadn't been canonized at this point, so he's referring to the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament points to the gospel, the coming of the Messiah. The entire Old Testament, specifically in in, uh, chapters and books like Isaiah 53 and Hosea 6 and Jonah chapter 1. Paul also uses the word Christ here and not Jesus. Because Christ means Messiah. And the Old Testament talks all the time that the Messiah is coming. And then the last part here in verse 5 is that Christ appeared in his resurrected body. See, this is the summary of the gospel. Christ is the main character of God's story. It's about his perfect life, about his death and his resurrection, and his resurrected body and his ascension. This is the gospel of grace. And Paul begins right here in the middle of verse five. And he says, listen, you're not believing about the resurrected body. So I'm going to make this of, of emphasis as I talk about that Jesus appearing six different times. He mentions Jesus appearing to people and starting in the middle of there in verse five. It says that he first appeared to Cephas. That is Peter. I love that he begins with Peter. Brendan Manning is a great author. And I remember hearing this years ago and he says, do you know what Peter thought the morning after he denied Jesus? Well, in the first century, every single morning, what people would hear would be the roosters crowing. So here he is waking up that next day and hearing the rooster crow and being reminded of him denying Jesus. But Jesus, because of his great love and forgiveness, a few days later on the beach in his resurrected body, restores Peter and forgives him three different times. Christ's love and faithfulness to forgive and redeem. And then Paul says second here that he appears to the 12, the 12 referring to the apostles. Wasn't Judas, it was the 11, but specifically the apostles. And then third, that he appeared to over 500 disciples or followers or believers of Jesus. And then fourth, he appeared to James. Now, why would Paul stick James in here? James was Jesus' half-brother. But in John 17, we read that James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. 
Didn't believe he was a redeemer. But in Acts chapter 1, after James saw the resurrected body, it says that he was a believer in his brother, that Jesus was the Messiah. The gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace changes lives. And then fifth here, Paul says he he appears to the apostles again. That's referring to the last time before Jesus ascends into heaven that he appeared to the leaven on the mountain. And then sixth and finally, he says he appeared to him, Paul, on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 that Jesus appeared to Paul. What did Christ do when he appeared in his resurrected body? He touched people. He talked to people. He hung out with people. My favorite story of all is when the disciples are in this upper room and all of a sudden he just shows up in the room. They don't know how he got there, walked through a wall or something. I don't know. And then he says, does anybody have anything to eat? He's hungry. Made some fish. He has a resurrected body just like we will have. And in Colossians 2, we read, what does Jesus look like right now? At the right hand of God, It says that he is in bodily form in his resurrected body. Look back at the beginning of verse three. Paul stresses the gospel when he says this is of first importance. In other words, all of Christianity hangs upon this gospel story of Christ's life, death, resurrection, and ascension. If we look to our identity, our own salvation, As believers, we must always think about the first importance, the simplicity of Christ and the gospel of grace and what he's done for us. It's not anything that we have done. It is a gift from the Lord to us. Christ is the cornerstone. He's the main character in God's story. It is all about him. And this gospel is one of grace. The second point is this, that grace is opposed to earning Grace is opposed to earning. If you would, please read with me again, verse eight and nine, verse eight and nine. Paul says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He says, I'm one untimely born. The Greek word is ektroma. It actually means that he was prematurely born. Well, what does that mean? Well, Paul was called an apostle here. That's what Jesus says. You're an apostle when he went on the road to Damascus. But he says, hold on a second. I didn't walk with Jesus for three years. I didn't see his miracles and his teaching. I'm one prematurely born. I don't deserve this. Actually, what I earn is in verse nine is I persecuted the church. I killed Christians. What I earn is hell. Eternal separation because of my sin, that's what I deserve. But he adopted me. He changed me. He gave me a new birth and a new life. And I'm one in him. I'm a son of God. All by God's grace, it's nothing that I earned. And it's the same with us. What do we deserve in our own sin? Our own sin separates us from God eternally forever. But because of the grace of God, because of the death and resurrection, because of the gospel, we can have new life. We can have oneness with God and be daughters and sons, as we just sang a moment ago. And look at verse 10. Paul knows where all this comes from. He mentions the word grace three times. 
Paul knows his soul labor, everything comes from grace. He calls himself again the least of the apostles. He has earned nothing. It is all of God. We cannot earn more of God's favor. We can't do it. We have all of God's love, all of God's favor because of his grace and his grace alone. Grace is opposed to earning. But the third point is this, grace loves effort. Grace loves effort. Look in verses one and two, Paul shares about three responses that the gospel had in the lives of the believers. It says that they receive the gospel, they stand in it, and they're being saved. This being saved is the same Greek tense that we talked about Jesus being raised. It's being saved. That means that we are saved, but we're continuing to be saved. In other words, continue to be sanctified, changed by this gospel of grace. We're continuing to become more like Jesus every day, battling through our sin, through our daily walks. But look in the middle of verse two. Paul says this. He says, if, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul is saying, you've received all this grace from me. Now just don't hear it, but go be doers of the word. Go live out the gospel among the lost world. Paul is emphasizing what we receive to give it away. He is not saying here in vain, meaning you lose your salvation. He doesn't mean that at all. He means if you receive this gospel of grace, it's the power that's in you is there. You will live this out. You can't hold on to that power. Go give it away. And if you believed in vain, meaning you never were a believer in the first place. But let's go back to to, uh, verse 10. Let's go back to verse 10 and look at these graces that he talks about, these three in verse 10. At the end of there, he talks about, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God in me. Paul gave all of his effort, worked hard, but knows that everything comes, every breath comes from God's grace and God's grace alone. Whether he eats or sleeps, whether he preaches or loves, where he teaches or whatever he does, it all comes from God's grace. But he works hard with all of his effort. Also in verse 10, it says this at the beginning, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. This is very interesting. He does not say I am who I am. Paul knows who he is. The greatest phrase he mentions over again and over again and over again in all of his writings is in Christ. He knows who he is. He's in Christ. He's in Christ. He's in Christ. But right here it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What he means by that is he's an ambassador an instrument, a witness, a vessel for the gospel of Christ to flow out of him and into the lost world. We're to be lights and salts to build the church of God. And we're to do this with all our effort. GE, grace and effort, brings great things to life. What about the rest of the scriptures? Does it talk about this? Well, the uh, entire Old Testament talks about the covenants, the promises that God has given us in the Old Testament. But he also says there's man's responsibility that we respond in obedience and faithfulness to the promises of God. What about Paul and the rest of his writings? 
There's many, for example, in 1 Corinthians 9, he talks about strict training he must do and discipline. In Colossians 1, he talks about the toiling and struggling that everyone would know about Christ. 1 Timothy says to train yourself not just in bodily training, but in godliness. What about Jesus? All over. Matthew 10, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever loses his life will find it. John 15, abide in my love. Obey my commandments. Paul and Jesus here aren't legalists. They understand that we've been given the power. This is very interesting. The God of all creation, God the Father, Jesus' Son, the Holy Spirit, perfect through all eternity, we being sinners full of wicked sin, he says, I'm going to come live within you. That's amazing that we have God come and dwell in us in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We have the power living in us for the Holy Spirit to come and guide us and convict us and teach us and lead us and remind us of Christ. So we're not just to hold on to this power, but we're to give it away. Think about all the other words in scripture to put off or to put on, to rid yourself, to abstain and so on. We cannot do it among ourselves, but we've given the grace, the power of the Holy Spirit to go give it away and to give it away boldly. John Calvin, a a great theologian, is known for the sovereignty of God, just trusting in the sovereignty of God. But here's what he says about this passage. He says this, God indeed offers his grace, but that the right use of it is in man's own power. That is man's own power to prevent it from being effectual. Many, he says, we've been given this great power. Go use it. We could kind of hinder or hide it, but no, go give it away. The Holy Spirit living in us. Look back at verse 10 again. He says, this grace was me was not in vain. Remember verse one, if you believe it, it might, might be in vain. But here he says, I've been given this. It's not in vain. I'm using it. I'm giving it away, this power that God's been given to me. God's grace, the G, our effort, that E, will bring great things to life. I believe this modern day story is a beautiful picture of this passage. And I think most people in this room have heard somewhere about this story I'm about to tell you and we're about to watch a little bit about it it's a story of team hoyt h-o-y-t about a father and a son dick hoyt was the father and they had several children and they had this boy and they realized something was wrong with him they didn't know what was wrong with him they took him to the doctors and they finally diagnosed him that he was a spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy he could not walk he could not talk he couldn't use his arms or legs or anything and they said put him in a home You cannot raise him. And his father said, no, we're going to raise him at home with our family. And they started to raise him. And about age eight or nine, they realized that his eye movements and stuff were picking up things and he could recognize stuff. So they they went to these specialists and they said, we got to get some kind of communication for him. Maybe we could get this computer screen that could have the alphabet and he could maybe hit his head on a button and it would stop on a letter and then he would enter it and he maybe could spell something. Let's just try something. So they created this. Well, they lived in Boston and they were actually during this time, the Boston Bruins, the hockey team, when the Stanley Cup finals. And so they stuck this machine in front of him and he starts to do it with their head. They kind of showed him what to do. And they're thinking, he's starting to type. What's going to happen? 
Hey, mom, I love you. And he starts to type in, go Bruins. And they, they flipped out. They're like, hey, he understands what's going on. Well, they start to put him in school and he's able to be in school. Well, a schoolmate of his has an accident and he's paralyzed. So they have this five mile run to help raise money for this boy. And he goes to his dad and he types in the computer, I want to run in this race for my friend. Dad says, you can't walk. How can you run this race? Dad, will you push me in the wheelchair? So his dad said, sure, I'll push you in the wheelchair. So he pushes him for five miles. They come second to last. And when they cross the finish line, he goes straight to his computer. And he said, for the first time, dad, I don't feel handicapped. And his dad says, I'm going to push you some more. So if somebody, any of y'all are runners in here, they started running marathons and his dad would push him. Marathon, 26 two-point miles. Their best time ever was at two hours and 40 minutes. That is flying if you're a runner. Later on, his son said, I want to do triathlons. His dad's 40 or 41. And he went to his son and says, we can't do this. I can't swim. I've never learned how to swim. But for you, I'll learn. So he started swim. They started to do triathlons and they went to an Ironman where they have to swim over two miles bike over a hundred and then run a marathon 26.2. Even, even the swimming, he's got to pull him in a raft and it's, he, he weighs something. The raft weighs something. They had to stick a ply board in there so it wouldn't tilt. What I'd like you to do is watch this video. And I want you to put yourself in both person's shoes. I want you to put yourself in the dad's shoes. All the hard work and effort it took. And it takes to push his son, to carry his son. But I also want you to put yourself in the son's shoes, Rick, that he knows he can do nothing without the help of his father. They interviewed him on NBC and they said, Rick, if you could run, what would you do? Would you play for the Boston Bruin? Would you play ice hockey? What would you do? Types in the computer, I'd push my dad. I don't know if they're believers or not, but it's a beautiful picture. The hard work that it takes, but that we've been given the power and grace to do it. And to know that nothing, we can do nothing on our own, but we have to depend upon the heavenly father. Rick actually graduated from high school, went on to Boston University where he graduated in special education, bachelor's degree. Their motto is C-A-N, can, we can do it. We have the power of God, we can do it. I just want to give you an encouragement, a challenge of just three simple applications out of this sermon. And that would be to show up, get up, and give up. Show up. You know, times I don't want to go to this study or church or or meet these people or hang out or go to this friend's house or invite people. Just show up and watch how God can use you to love others. Get up. Might just be five minutes earlier. Pray on your knees, maybe serve someone at work, serve someone in your home. And give up. 
like the Pifers. Give some of your time, money, resources to go love the community and give away what we have been given. God's grace in our effort brings great things to life. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, the great Trinity that you are, thank you for what you've done to call us out of darkness in your wonderful light, that we are daughters and sons and we've been given your power to go give it away, to go glorify you, whether we eat or drink, do it all for your glory. So we thank you for the simplicity of the gospel of grace. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia, with services Saturday night at 6 and Sunday morning at 9 and 1045. Please visit our website for more information at www.perimeter.org. Be sure to visit the media resources section to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team.